Last week we began a series called Big Faith, and we started talking about, and I'll just remind you where we were last week. I asked this kind of, uh, painted this picture. I said, what if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? I mean, would it make a difference in your life if you were absolutely confident that God was with you? You had perfect faith. What if you were confident that everything that came your way was part of God's divine plan, and that someday you would look back on everything in life and realize, well, you know, I understand how that fits together now. Uh, imagine what would happen to your stress and your fear levels if you had that kind of faith in God, that trust in God uh, that's, that we call big faith. What if you were confident that God really had your best interest in mind when he gave us his laws and his principles to live by, that what was in, in this book here was something that was not just a bunch of rules, but it was about living life to the fullest? What if you had confidence in what's in here? What if, if you live with the confidence that God was with us, for us, and working through us, and our responses to everything, if, if we lived that way, would be different, wouldn't they? Last week, we talked about how humankind's problems began when we quit trusting God. If you go all the way back into the Garden of Eden, you see this, this picture painted where, where Adam and Eve, basically, the reason they, they turned away from God was because they quit trusting him. Uh, Satan said to, to them, he said, do you really believe, is God, is that really true that, that God said you can't eat of that one tree? I mean, can you really trust God? It's that, that's, again, this whole break away from trusting God. And basically what we understood in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, it's been an invitation to begin trusting God again. An invitation to enter into a relationship with God through Christ. And God is most honored, we find out in Scripture, God is most honored and receives the most glory through our active, living, death-defying, out-of-the-box uh, faith and trust that we have in Him. And I share with you that every once in a while, I don't know about you, but I run into people who have this kind of faith, this kind of trust. They just kind of live life in a very simple way. I trust God. They go through something, and you look at them, and, and, and you look at them, and you go like, how can you, how can you trust God? How, how can you be so calm in the midst of the storm that you're going through? Don't you see all the facts? Are you just dumb or something? I mean, you probably never said that to anybody, but you maybe thought that. I mean, you know, I, you know, because so many of us are educated and we've seen the world and we know all the big stuff that's going on, and we think, "Wow, you know, I'm," you know, we try to rationalize all the stuff. And when pe- we see people that have this kind of level of faith and trust in God that we don't understand, sometimes it makes us mad because we wish we had it, but we kind of rationalize our way and say, "Well, you know, they're just not really; they just have this simple faith and." And sometimes people call it blind faith, but I don't really believe it's blind faith. I think it's mature faith that people have. Now, that was kind of last week in a nutshell. And we also, I introduced to you that I said that one of the things that we find so often, how God grows our faith, uh, is, is kind of can be categorized into five different areas, five things that he uses in our lives to grow our faith. Now, these are not directly, not a list in Scripture. It's not a to-do list. It's simply some things that we have experienced over the years. It's an observation, and, and I shared these things. Now, if you have your bulletin this morning, on the back of your bulletin notes, on your sermon notes, are these five things. You don't have to write them down again, okay? Just to let you know on the back side of the bulletin notes. And the five things we talked about is this. God uses these things to help grow our faith, practical teaching. And that shows us where we are and where we need to go. Providential relationships allows us to hear from God through others. Private disciplines which tune our hearts to God's heart, pivotal circumstances, which force us to look at God. Personal ministry enables us to experience God's power. So we're going to be talking about these five things over the next five weeks, including today. 
And um, we'll be looking today at the importance of practical teaching in our life and how God uses that as a faith catalyst in our life. Because it's kind of like this, and I want to talk about this today. I cannot tell you how many times in talking to people about their faith stories, about how they came to faith in Christ or how they grew in Christ, I cannot tell you how many times people tell me something like this. Well, Pastor, I, was, you know, I, I first went to this Bible study or I went to this church, and, and for the first time I heard God's Word in a practical way, and I knew what, not only did I have some knowledge, but I knew what to do. And it took me from that, from that kind of understanding and just have some head knowledge to actually living out the faith. And so I took a leap of faith and actually did what the Bible said because I now knew what it meant. And I cannot tell you how many times, I mean, even this week in talking to some folks, that was a big deal in their lives in regards to this whole thing of growth uh, in their life, this, uh, this importance of practical teaching. And so... Uh, we, we're going to be talking about that today because the problem, let, let me just have, tell you an indictment about the church. Let me just be honest with you. I, I don't like to blast our own, pe- my, our, our own who we are, but in America so often, what we've been, and, and it happened in Europe before it happened in America, what we've been kind of uh, seems to be is that we have this sense of contentment when we go to church to kind of just cover the material. And so people are bored in churches. Uh, they go and they kind of like, oh, I know I've heard that before. I've heard that story before. I've heard this before because it's just kind of covering the material. And so when they go, they leave and they really don't have anything to, to go forward with, but it's just like covering the material. But see, when Jesus taught, if you look in Scripture, it was different. He just didn't cover the material. He taught to application, not simply to knowledge. And so today we're going to look at a passage of Scripture and talk about that and talk about a couple other passages that help us to illustrate the importance of why Jesus taught that way and why we, as a church, why this whole thing of practical teaching is we are just so big on here at Great Oaks and we believe it's, it's, it's important to help you grow in your faith. Not only in, in this big room here, but in our, in our children's areas, in our youth areas, in every place, in our small groups. It needs to be not just about content. It needs to be about, the question is always, what does it say we need to do in regard to that? So, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Matthew chapter 7. We begin with verse 24, and if you, uh, if you don't, the outline on the outline, some of that Scripture is there as well. We're going to look at it this morning. In the context of this passage, now it's interesting because in a minute when I read this passage, some of you that grew up in Sunday school, or you grew up in, uh, in, and went to vacation Bible school, when I start reading this passage, a song is going to come into your mind. It's a children's song, okay? And uh, you'll, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. And I promise you I won't sing too much of it, okay? But some of you will know exactly what I'm talking about in just a minute. Okay, now, chap- Matthew chapter 7, the context is this. In Ma- chapter 5 through 7 of Matthew, Jesus had just taught this thing called the Sermon on the Mount. It's this collection of teachings, basically, that Jesus taught. And, and, and the thing is, is he had unloaded, in a sense, a brand new value system on his listeners. And, and as Jesus had just finished the Sermon on the Mount, he taught, in a sense, let me tell you, for those of you who are big theological thinkers and you're deep, okay, this is your deep, this is my deep understanding of the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount could be said to be this. It is basically, if you look at the Sermon on the Mount, it is about God saying, Jesus is saying, if you had big faith, this is what you would do. That's what the Sermon on the Mount is. If you had big faith, if you really trusted me totally, this is what you would do. So as you read through chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7 of Matthew, it's really a description of what the fa- a, a person whose life is 
totally trusting God would do with their life. He said things like, uh, in this value system, he says, like, when you, somebody uh, uh, looks at you and does something wrong to you, he said this, turn the other cheek. He said, do that. He said things like, uh, if someone wants a favor, do more than they ask. He said uh, things like, and this is what we don't like, parts we don't like. He said, you know, it's not only uh, adultery to commit adultery, but it's lust is like committing adultery. It's a sin as well. He said, it's not just what you do, it's what you think that's, that's it's part of the process. He said something about money in the sermon. He said, money, give it away. And, and you know, they were probably asking, well, tell me a percentage. And he says, well, you know, I, I said in the Old Testament, we said 10%, and that's all right. But he said, that's just not the end goal. He said, give as much as you can. Be as free as you can with your resources. And he said other things in the Sermon on the Mount, things like forgive, no matter what, even when it feels like you're letting them get by. We've talked about this before. It's not just about, you know, and he said, he said other things like pursue people who've wronged you and make it right. And he says, and another thing he said was treat everyone the way you want to be treated. So we have all these teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. And this is basically, once again, a description of what it would look like if we had big faith and we lived it out in our life and actually did what it said. So let's, let's look at this passage of Scripture beginning with verse 24. <clears throat> verse 24, chapter 7. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man who built his house on the rock. Remember the song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. Nobody knows that song. Okay, thank you. I thought three of you did. Okay. Um, we need to teach that back in kids' town. Okay, I, t- I challenge Dan. You know, that's you know, just a really good thing because we remember these little sing-songy things, and that's a great one. But anyway, you know, it says, Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus was saying here, he was saying this, that in order for his teaching to have any impact, you've got to do something. You've got to do something. It's not just about believing. Believing, he's saying, is not enough. You know, it's like in his day, it would be like people would say like, well, you know, I've, seen, I've heard Jesus speak five weeks in a row. What an impact it's made on me. And Jesus would say, no, it's not enough just to hear. For some reason in our culture, we kind of rate spirituality by regular church attendance. We do. You know, I've, I go to Great Oaks. I've been there every week this year. You know, I've been here most of the time. I've been, if you're a really regular attender, you're probably here about 75% of the time. Okay? That's really the most regular attenders because all of you have vacations and you're gone some and different places like that. But we kind of rate our spirituality by our regular attendance in church. Like attendance makes a difference. And the teaching, and Jesus is teaching here that if we're going to grow, the teaching that really grows our faith is not simply hearing the words, but doing something with it. That's why I just shared with you a while ago that so often when I hear stories of people growing in faith, we hear stories like, well, then I started going to church or I started going to this Bible study and this teacher started teaching and for the first time I began to understand what the Bible meant and I understood it so much that I that I did what I said to do and in doing so it stretched my faith and I grew in my faith I applied scripture to my life and it's changed my life and I see God at work people say that all the time God uses this practical teaching not just knowledge but practical teaching to help people to grow 
See, Jesus is saying, I'm going to do what, uh, when we have this, this, this mindset, I'm going to do what you've asked me to do, not because it makes sense, but because I've seen, or not because I've seen somebody else do it, um, not because it goes along with what I've seen in culture, but because I trust you, God, it grows our faith in him, our trust in him. It's an expression of trust. And that's an expression of big faith. And when you express big faith and God comes through uh, in big faithfulness kinds of ways after you express your faith in him, there's, and God grows in your life and God grows in, in your relationships and there's God in your mind and in your heart and, and there's God in your marriage and there's God in your finance and suddenly all of a sudden you realize that God is bigger than what your God was before and so you trust him more. But that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen in our life where God becomes part of everything unless, until somebody helps you to understand how to take this and apply it and do something with it. I mean, it's like, it's like nutrition. I mean, how many of you believe in nutrition? How many of you believe in nutrition? Okay, you raised your hand. You know what that means. You, you know, you believe about nutrition. You don't believe, because it's kind of like this, you know, it's, it's, an, it's one thing to say, I believe in nutrition, healthy eating. It's another thing to eat healthy, right? If I ask you all to raise your hand now that just said, I believe in nutrition, would you all raise your hand again that I eat healthy? Okay, three of you did. Okay, thank you. See, the thing is, you can believe all you want to about nutrition and what good it does, but if you don't do it, what good does it do? Zero. Zero. Knowledge without application is nothing. Same thing with exercise. I mean, you, believe, you know, believing in exercise, reading about exercise, joining the gym, walking through the gym with your gym bag, meeting the trainer, having a conversation with the trainer, uh, scheduling exercise. I mean, you can do all those things. You can fill your bookshelves. You could, I could go to your house and your bookshelves could be filled with CDs and DVDs full of information about exercise. And that was to walk into your house and, and, and you know, and you, you have all this stuff and you have one of those wee things, you know, those, uh, yeah, the wee things, whatever they are. You know, the, I got one of them, but I don't know how to use it. Anyway, the thing where you, you exercise, you know, whatever, we fit, that's what it's called, we fit. And you do all those things, you have all of those in your house. I mean, I would walk in, look around and go, Wow. You're an expert in fitness, right? And you're going, yeah, if you want to know anything about fitness, just ask me as you eat your Twinkie. The reality is, see, if you want to know anything, you know, it, it, it hasn't, you know, if that kind of person, I know a lot of people, that's the way they are. Like they say, they talk about it a lot. They, they have a lot of information. They study up on it a lot, but they never do anything about it. So personally, it's never done any good for them. They've never acted upon it. They've never applied any of the huge amount of knowledge they have acquired through all the information. And so it does nothing for them. In the same way what Jesus is saying here in this verse, this, this verse, therefore, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, not just hears the words, but puts them into practice, is a wise man. Is a wise man. See, Jesus is saying to us, it's not just knowledge. It's not just believing, yeah, it's true. It's doing what he says. See, Jesus says, thanks for listening to the sermon. Thanks for showing up today, but it isn't going to do you any good. You might as well, you know, Jesus is really saying to us this day, this verse he's saying to us, you might as well, if you're not willing to apply what we talk about today, 
you might as well have gone fishing today. It'll do you just as much good. Because if all you want to do is have knowledge and leave here and do nothing about it, he says, you will not grow in faith. You will not come closer to God. See, and I can't say this enough, and I know it almost sounds heretical, and, and I almost don't want to say this, but being a consistent attender is of almost no value as much as I enjoy the fact that I don't like to speak to an empty room. But being a consistent attender has almost no value if you just, just read the verse because, see, Jesus is not up in heaven this morning going like, well, you know, okay, I got my checklist here. Who's in church this morning? Well, Bobby's here, check. Sally's here, check. Oh, Dan, he's not here, sorry. Maybe he'll show up next week. Maybe he'll get a check next week. God's not up there doing that this morning. That's not what he counts. He said, see, I, I think we've grown up with this mentality that there is a value of being in the room for some reason. And Jesus said, no, it's obedience. It's obedience that makes the difference. That's why one of the best things that you can do for yourself, your kids, your spouse, your future spouse, the person you're dating, the person, uh, people you love, is to be involved in environments where this book is opened up and not only explained about what it says, but what it means to do. And so every week when we, when we look at Scripture, the thing that I, that I ask myself is this. Okay, the people understand what to do when they leave. Is it ask, has it helped them to understand what to do? Because Jesus is saying to us, you know, just, just having the knowledge is not enough. Then he says in verse 25, it says, Then the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Um, interesting in the story, Jesus said this little said the reason that this house, this little made-up, fictitious parable story, the house in this little story, the reason it didn't fall is not because they knew about the storm, they had knowledge about it, not because they knew about construction, not because they knew about how to build a house. The reason that the house didn't fall is why? Because they did what he said. They trusted him in what he said. He said they actually built on a rock. And that, what it means, that's what it means to listen and to obey the things he says I've taught you. Listen and you do. You acquire information, but you do something with the information. Simply stacking up information, simply storing up and listening and attending, there's no value. If you want your life to reflect, if you want your dating relationships, your finances, if you want your morality, if you want your relationships, your profession, if you want your life to be reflected like a... Uh, like a person who built their house on a solid foundation, down, foundation Jesus says you've got to do this stuff. You've got to do it. Don't just know it. Do it. And he said for me, to, uh, God says for me to show up in real tangible ways, you have to express faith and trust in me. And that is through trusting in what I say and doing what I say. And then in verse 26, he says this. Remember the flip side. It's the flip side of this. He says, okay, there's the wise man who built his house on the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Okay, and then we come to the other part, okay? And then verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine, who's that? Stop there. Everyone who hears these words of mine, that's people who are in church. You go to Mass. You go to the Bible study. You go to the conference. You go online and listen, you read the book, whatever way you listen to God's word, you, you know, that's all these things. But everyone who hears the words of mine, then he says, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on, a sand, on the sand. 
Which means, again, and this is a little offensive for many of us because depending on your religious tradition, but you go home and read it and argue with me all you want to, but argue with the Bible in regard to what it says here. It says to us this, that this is what he's saying. You can have 100% attendance in a Bible study, 100% attendance in church. You can have all these things and still be a what? A fool. A fool. A fool is a person who doesn't follow God, who doesn't trust in God, doesn't done any of those things. It has so, it, this, this, this little parable, as we sing this little sing-songy song as, as a child, it's so truthful though. It's so straightforward. It's so convicting. Is it not? See, when you get home and get on your knees and say, God, how could you, uh, you know, things, so often people will say, oh, I went to church, God, how could this happen to me? They have something bad happen in their life. I've been at church every Sunday. How could you possibly allow this to happen to me? Whatever it may be. I never miss church. It's it's as if God's going, well, I know, but attendance is not the issue. It's what you do with what you heard. Obedience is what makes the difference, not attendance. Attendance doesn't make a difference. Knowledge doesn't make a difference. Acquiring knowledge, categorizing knowledge, even teaching. It's obedience that makes the difference. It's when you do, when you apply what you've been taught That's what allows you to establish your home and your life on a firm foundation, whatever your home may reflect in this parable. Now, verse 27, he says this, the rain came down, the rain came down, okay, keep going the song, okay, the streams rose and the winds blew, some of you, you know, are going like, I wish I knew that song, I'll get Nate to teach us to us next week or something, you know, or whatever, anyway, the rains came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, the house that was built on the sand by the foolish person, and it fell with a great crash. And then in verse 28, 29, as he ends this little story, he says this, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds went, ah, it says they were amazed at his teaching, amazed at his teaching, because it says, and the reason they were amazed is because he taught as one who had authority and not as one of their teachers of the law. Now, what is in the world is this saying here? It's saying this simply. The teachers of the law in the first century taught to what? They taught in terms of knowledge. They taught in terms of knowledge, more knowledge, more, more knowledge. They, say, they would say things, well, this is what Isaiah means. And they would say, this is what Isaiah means. And they would teach them that. And they would teach these stories and whatever. But Jesus came along and he said, okay. Here's a little bit. He didn't teach us as much. It's amazing how, how little Jesus' teaching that we have recorded really was. But he came along, and when he said things, it was, but it was so impactful because he said, here's a little, th- a little bit of things to believe. Now let me tell you what that looks like in practice. He says things like, it, it means you just, uh, it means you forgive. It means you go to second mile. It means you don't look in that direction. It means you give generously. He says, that's what it means because he, it was important to him, and it says it should be important to us to understand that it's not just knowledge. Here's what it, he says, here's what it looks like in the real world. If you want to be uh, there to be a difference, you can't just listen. You, got, you can't just attend. You've got to do. And he says, and when you do what I tell you to do in my word, what will happen is, and that's an act of faith, and you will grow in your faith, and you will grow in your confidence in me, and you will become closer to me as your Lord and Savior. What he's basically saying is this, you know, within the context of what I know, I can grow in my confidence in God. See, Jesus moved people to action all the time with his teaching. The teachers of the law in that day moved people to know more. 
Jesus moved them to do more. Now, I have to say this because I I really am appreciative um, of some things that's happened in my life. I've generally always been a part of a church that taught to application as I was reflecting back upon this in my life. Not every pastor, every teacher was equal, but I, I remember people in my life when I was a teenager who not simply said, here's some stories I want you to know. Grow up, uh, learn these stories, and you'll be better off because you'll have this knowledge. They said, no, this is what it means to live life as a teenager. This is what it means like to live life for Christ. And so I had that in my life all along the way. I was taught to be obedient, not to gain God's acceptance, but because God already accepts me. He loves me. I want to please him. I want to know how to please, please him. And, and so, so that's... That's important. I share with you that this year is an important year in my life. You know, you ever get reflective at certain stages of your life? I mean, you're, like you turn 40, and all of a sudden you think, well, man, you know, my life is half over. Based on uh, age of death things, I think, you know. Uh, and I thought this year, I turned 60 in August. Man, it's ancient. That's what I used to think. You know, now 60 is a new 40. But the, the thing is... <laughs> The thing is, I've become very reflective this year, looking backwards, and I pulled out some of my old, I, I've journaled a lot in my life, and I pulled out some old stuff, and I was reading through some of the journals and the things that, 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 that I've learned in life, and I'm, I'm just so grateful for, for, the, for the things that I was taught, not just taught, but things that I was taught how to do in my life, for the, and, and because of the decisions that I made in my life based upon what I was taught to do. The way my parents raised me to obey God uh, and, to, and to know how to live for him as well, I, I'm thankful for that because I know that obedience makes all the difference now. I'm glad that somebody taught me early on in life, even as a teenager, as a child, taught me that my friends would determine the direction and quality of my life. That's one of our things over here on the board for our teenagers. You know, that's one of our key, what is that, eight core values for, for our teenagers is that the quality of your friends will determine the direction and quality of your life. Who your friends are will determine the direction and quality of your life. So that means it's important who I have as friends. And, and that was something huge. I mean, I didn't have many friends that pulled me down in my life. And so that was something huge. An, another thing that I was taught, uh, taught early on, it came from God's word, but it was taught how to ap- uh, the application of that is purity leads to intimacy. Keep yourself pure. And when God brings you together with the right person in life, then you can have be intimate. And I can say that I, I, I never, I was pure until my wife and I was married. And we've had 35 great years of marriage. Almost 35. August 4th will be 35. And the thing is, I learned that, it's not because I'm so smart, it's because I learned it from God's word and somebody told me what that means and how to do it. These are the boundaries you place in your life around stuff. And this is what you do. I've been blessed as well because let me tell you, in counseling people all the time, one of the things that people constantly have an issue with is money. That's why I encourage you, financial peace is coming up. If you have problems with money, go to it. You need to learn what the biblical truth is and how to manage things there as well. But I was told earlier on, even as a teenager, as a child, my parents taught me this, my church taught me this, teachers taught me this in church as well. Give, save, and live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. And Vicky and myself, uh, we have had over the 35 years of our marriage, we've had little or no consumer debt. 
You're going like, because he, got, he makes so much money. You really? I'm a pastor. My wife was a school teacher for 17 years. She works part-time now. I have learned this, folks. I know a lot of people that make tons more, three times more than what I make, and they go bankrupt. Because, because debt has little to do with income. It has to do with decisions in your life. And so I remember years ago, even years ago, there was this guy named Larry Burkett. He's, I think he's dead now. But long before Dave Ramsey, he said the same things that Dave Ramsey just says them better. Okay? More entertaining, should I say. Not better, just more entertaining. But Larry Burkett said, said this. He used this, this verse out of Proverbs 22. The borrower, borrower is slave to the lender. Heard that one before if you've been through financial peace. The borrower was slave to the lender. And, he, and I learned that earlier on. And so, you know, we've never, we've never, in a sense, because we understood, it's not about knowledge, because if I could have understood those things, but I hadn't applied them in my life, I could be in a mess today, financially. And so why I say those things is this, obedience begins with exposure to God's word in an environment where it is clear and what we are doing and what we are inspired to do. And at Great Oaks, let me tell you this, we are fanatics. I'm a fanatic about presenting God's word in a practical way. And one of the things every week I evaluate my own sermons and I evaluate when staff teaches and we evaluate kind of each other and we talk about it is we always ask this question. You know, was it helpful? Was it helpful? Not was it cute? Was it entertaining? I mean, yeah, in the kids' area, you want to keep their attention. In the youth area, you got to do some things to keep their attention. Sometimes i got to do things to keep your attention. Like Easter, breaking mirrors and stuff. You know, you never forget. You may not remember anything I said, but you'll never forget about me breaking mirrors, right? You know, kind of a wacko thing to do, you know, especially some of you didn't see me with a hammer in my hand when I broke the mirror, and you were shocked, you know? It's not about that. It was What was the point? What was the point? And so when we envir- evaluate communicators, I'm going to challenge communicators, communicators in any area. You may communicate the story, but what was the point and what did the point tell you to do? Because that is what changes lives. That is what changes That's what Jesus is saying here in this story. Did people know, know what to do with what they heard? Okay, one last thing and we're going to close this morning. Man, this might be out early. You might be out. What time is it? 10.05? Y'all may be out early today. Can, you, can y'all, y'all upset with that? <laughs> Maybe I need to slow down. One last thing. And I have to say this because it's something that I've heard many times. Um, occasionally people come to Great Oak and they come from, uh, Great Oaks and they come from different traditions, different church traditions. And... Um, they make comments like this, and I've heard this before, and, and I have to say, and, and this is why I'm saying this, because you need to understand why we do what we do. Um, some people have said, well, I don't feel like I've been to church. Because you may have grown up in a, more of a quiet, meditative um, place. And I, and I had, I, uh, recently had a couple people tell me, said, you know, uh, uh, and it was, kind of, it was kind of weird. It took me at first. I was kind of like, I don't know how to take this. Because they said, um, when I came to Great Oaks, you're more like a motivational speaker. And I'm going like, I don't know how to take that. And then I'm going like, well, contrast what the other side is. The other side, they said, was boring. 
So I'll take motivational speaker any day to boring, okay? And, and you know, when Chris speaks and when Dan speaks, he's, and, and I thought about Jesus was the greatest motivational speaker of all times. He was the one who motivated people not only to hear, but to do what he said. And that's what we need to do because, you know, let me tell you, there is a place for quiet and meditative, and it's not on Sunday mornings at Great Oaks. And let me tell you why. Because anytime you gather people in rows or in circles at a room and you open this up and you begin to teach from this in a way that it's not just about knowledge but about application, it says what we're to do, it is disturbing. Right? It's, it can be disturbing. It's upsetting to some people. It's why some of you this morning, as you're sitting here, were arguing with me mentally. You're going like, well, Bill, it is important for us to come here and sit in church, you know? And I'm going like, well, I'm glad you're here, but I hope you understand. It's not just about showing up that matters. It's about doing what God says in his word. And he says that anytime we hear God's word and we understand God's word, what we're supposed to do with it is what? We're supposed to do it. But any time, and so I tell you why it's not, this is not quite meditative, because any time you take, this is the centerpiece of what we do here. Any time we take and open this up and begin to study this in regards to application, there is no peaceful, easy feeling. To quote an eagle's tune. <laughs> you know, read, if you don't believe me, read what Jesus did and what it, how people responded when he taught. Let me give you a couple examples, okay? Let me give you a couple examples. When Jesus got up and ta- taught, uh, for instance, in John chapter 8, Jesus was teaching on the Mount of Olives, this place there. He's having this, this, this conversation. At the end of the sermon, you know what it says that they did? The response was, it says, the people were so mad that they took him out to stone him. Let's close in prayer. Amen. I mean, literally, you know, you know, that's what they did, okay? You know, church was not boring with Jesus around. It wasn't quite, he challenged people's preconceptions. He challenged them to action, and it'll never be quiet. Another time, another time in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was teaching in the synagogue in Nazareth. In Luke chapter 4, verse 28, it says, All the people in the synagogue, when he finished teaching, Jesus teaching, this is Jesus, this is not anybody else, Jesus All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. Furious. So I'm guessing if we get to the end of a message and you're mad at me, and you're mad, and when you go out of here, we're doing New Testament preaching, that's all I can say. You know, that's that's what it is here. You know, I mean, uh, if you're going out of here and you're going, I can't believe he said that, or what the, you know, I'm never going back there. But if you're walking, you you know, I'd rather you do that than do the other thing, which is if you walk out of here going, what the heck was that? I mean, I didn't understand a thing he said, but, you know, Jesus knows we were at church and we endured to the end. In, in fact, maybe the more boring it is, do we get more credit? And the more irrelevant it is, do we get more credit? You know, I'm, I'm sorry, that's just the way sometimes people approach, I hear people about church. See, here's what we're shooting for. The last part of that verse, Luke 4, says all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this, and this is what they did. They got up, drove him out of town, Jesus, took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off a cliff. Now that is a good sermon. (laughs) 
See, when you, when you, hold, up, when you hold up your to-dos and your to-don'ts to this, there are times when you'll feel ashamed. Does that mean that God is mad at you or doesn't love you? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Of course not any more than when my kids are ashamed. I still love them just as much. In fact, now this, this, it, I, I, you know, this is not, some of you will argue with me about this too, I know that. But it, in fact, if I can make my kids better people by sometimes making them feel ashamed of what they do, I'm going to leverage that to the hilt. Because I want them to grow up to be people who are mature, Christ followers, who love him with all of their heart. And, and, and I will, God wants us to do that. And, and I know that what the world is like, and I know in ways that they don't because I'm older and I've been down the track for a while. So this is what you need to do. This is what you need to do in regard to what God says in this passage. He says, and this is what we talked about out of, out of Matthew. It says, you need to be in an environment. You may not like us here at Great Oaks. That's all right. It's not your style. Find a place where you can fit. But you need to be in a place where people open this book, whether it's in a small group, whether it's in a big room, whether it's in youth group, whether it's in children's ministry, no matter where it is, they open this book and they explain it, not only what it means, but what it says for us to do. And it may be a little disturbing, and it may be a little, little um, you may be a little bothered. In fact, nothing would make, now this is crazy, but nothing would make me happier for you to get so mad at me because of something I say that you would go home and you're going like, I can't believe it says it in there. I'm going to look and open my Bible and find it myself. I'd be so happy if you go home and, and just simply open your Bible and begin to look at what God's Word says yourself. And hopefully you won't throw me in the Illinois River off a cliff. But see, God's Word... Jesus is saying, God's word is a catalyst for you and for me to grow when we not only understand with knowledge, but we do it. We do it. It's kind of like this. I don't know where this quote came from, but I heard it years ago. Unapplied truth is like unapplied paint. It doesn't do anybody any good. The value is in the application. What that means is this. You need to be in an environment, your kids, your middle schoolers, your high schoolers need to be in an environment where somebody brings in the can of paint, they pop open the top, they, give, they give, them, give you the brush, they stir it up, give you the brush and the can, and they say, now I've made it as easy for you to know how to make it, but now you've got to go home and start painting. You've got to go home, go to work and start applying this. You've got to give her that call and start applying this. You've got to go, go to school and apply it. You've got to show up wherever you go and apply what, you've t- what, what the God's Word says. And if you don't apply it, you're like the man and the woman who has built his and her entire house morally, ethically, uh, financially, whatever capacity. Or you're like a man and woman who's built their house upon a foundation that will not survive a storm. And it may look perfect for a few days or a few weeks or a few months, but eventually something is going to come along and undermine it. I don't know how many times, I, I hope you go when you go like, okay, the point of the, is this. It's not about what you know. It's not about showing up. It's about what you do. That's the point, okay? 
So here's my last statement. You've got to be in an environment where somebody is teaching God's word in an applicable way. Because everyone who hears the words of Jesus and puts them into practice is like a wise man, a wise woman, a wise teenager, a wise student, a wise senior adult, a wise single adult, a wise young married, a wise newly wed, a wise engaged adult who builds their house on a rock foundation, a solid foundation. Because at the end of the day, it's obedience to God's word that makes all the difference. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to Great Oaks Community Church's weekly podcast. For more series and podcast information, go to greatoakscc.org.